Hey Mana Church, welcome to today's online worship experience. My name is Jefferson, I'm your host for today. Really excited that you've joined us. We're gonna sing a couple songs here in a moment. I'll be back to tell you how to get connected, share a few announcements, and we even have a special Father's Day element for our church, really just to encourage every father that is a part of our family. But before we get into all of that, I just want to say welcome and I want to pray for you. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you're so good. We thank you that you always make a way to come to us, to work out our lives, to not just, not just make them better, but that you actually want to change our lives. So Lord, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. Will you fill our homes with your spirit, change our lives. May we never be the same because we encountered your presence. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen and amen. There's still time to invite a friend, so text, call, share this post, and let's worship together. When night has fallen and fear is coming, you're calling me Your faith is lost in
welcome back. If you're just now joining us, my name is Jefferson and I am your host for today's online worship experience. We just wanna take a moment to welcome everyone that is watching and maybe you are watching for the very first time. I don't know where you come from. Maybe you haven't been to church in a long time. Maybe you've never been a part of a church experience or maybe this is your very first time encountering a Mana Church expression. We just wanna welcome you and we really wanna reach out to you. We wanna know who you are, where you're coming from. So if you do me a favor, you can get out your phone right now and you can text the number 94090. You can text this key phrase, MCHP Connect. MCHP just stands for Mana Church High Point. So if you'll text 94090 with that key phrase, MCHP Connect, it'll text us and we'll be able to reach out with you with some information, really because we wanna know how to serve you better. There's even some links in the description that you can follow to get connected as well. Right now we're in the first beginnings, first couple weeks of a new series called The Purple Book. We've actually launched some special small groups that go along with that. There is still time. It's not too late to sign up for a Purple Book. So you can either text MCHP Connect or you can click the link that is in the description of this video that says Purple Book Small Group Sign Up. It'll take you right there and you can get signed up and connected today. We really believe that life is better together and your life can change in the context of relationships. Sermons are just a catalyst for change. Real life change happens when you begin and encounter conversation and in relationships. So get in a Purple Book small group today. I want to let you know about something that's coming up in just a couple weeks. On July 11th, we have our yearly Serve Day. We're really excited about it as we are every year. But Serve Day is when thousands of churches all across the nation decide that on Saturday, July 11th, they're gonna serve their city. So we are gonna participate in that and we're organizing a couple outreach opportunities as we speak. We're gonna do a free car wash at our Manor Church parking lot where we'll wash cars for free and we'll pray for people and minister to people. And we're also organizing a couple projects where we can serve some of our elderly people in our community, doing various house projects, even maybe some land Landscaping. So we're getting all those details together, but we want to let you know so you can put it on your calendar. July 11th is Serve Day. I encourage you right now to download the Serve app. You can sign up for those projects on the app and you'll get all the details, dates, locations, supplies, everything that you need. But we think that this is such the perfect, perfect opportunity to show the love of Jesus in practical ways. We don't believe we have to change our city. We believe Jesus will do that. But if we serve our city, then they'll know that we are coming in the name of Jesus and Jesus will change their hearts. So we're really excited about it. July 11th, Serve Day, get it on your calendar right now. Really excited about this. We're gonna watch a special Father's Day element from Pastor Jeff. He's having a conversation with some of our fathers in the church. We just wanna take a moment to not only encourage fathers, but we also wanna honor fathers. Thank you for everything that you do. So enjoy this special element. And then after that, we're gonna sing another song of worship. Then Pastor Jeff is gonna come with week four of the Purple Book. Well, hey, happy, hey, man at church, happy Father's Day. So great. Uh, we just love our dads. You guys are so awesome. I have a, a panel here this morning. We have Paul Adoa. Adoa, could you wave? 
We have John Jackson, Clark Carter, and Gene Mabry this morning. So, hey, dads, listen, we're just, we're just so proud of you. Uh, we know that being a dad is really is just hard work. I read this today. I thought it was good. It's a quote uh, by a guy. He, he made this post today. He said, kids need daddies. It's easy to be a thug. Do something hard. Be a man. Be a dad. And then he said, being a person who adds little to no value to people is easy. But being a person, a dad, who adds value is not easy. So we just want to say to our dads and to all the dads out there, thank you for doing the hard work. Um, we really do love and appreciate you. And to my own dad, I just want to say to him, I know he's watching, uh, thank you for instilling in me a strong work ethic, uh, a strong determination to never quit. And, of course, Dad, really thank you so much for the rugged, handsome looks. Anyway, um, say all you dads, uh, we know we know all you dads. It's, it's hard work, but um, we know all dads want their kids to succeed. You want to protect your kids. You want to be a role model that your own kids want to truly emulate. So today we have a panel of dads here that are going to encourage you. And so uh, with their own thoughts, and they're going to encourage you with their own dad stories. So John, I'm going to just start with you. Uh, what is a, just share with us, what is a great memory you have of your own dad? Well, thanks. Um, I mean, I've got tons and tons of, of memories with my dad that, that are, that are incredible. I mean, I, I mean, I remember sitting on his lap driving, you know, this was before airbags and seatbelts, uh, you know, back in the day when, when you just did those sorts of things. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and remembering just playing games with him, everything was, uh, he really introduced me to full contact basketball and, you know, uh, two hand touch tackle football, that sort of thing, uh, where he would just keep going um, regardless of injury. It was never, never in a, you know, an anger aggression. It was just full on. Uh, you just didn't stop. It didn't matter if you're, if it, you know, if you're not bleeding terribly, uh, then you just keep going. Uh, even when you are bleeding terribly, you just, you just keep going. So had a lot of uh, memories with that, um, but I think something that uh, that really uh, kind of struck me was I was remembering just uh, as a teenager having a, uh, an old car that would frequently break down and and having to it seemed like just all the time having to to fix the car, work on the car, and I worked on the car with my dad. Again, this was before YouTube, so yeah. now it's like it would be no problem, right? You know, you just pull up a YouTube video, but we didn't have that. You had to like look in a manual or, or pull up, you know, some schematic and uh, neither my dad or I are mechanics. So it, it was quite a challenge. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of words going back and forth, usually heated and yelling and like, get a hold of that. I have it, you know, just, just sort of yelling back and forth. But, uh, but at the end of the day, we got it running and it was a, great experience and uh, I have fond memories of that. I mean, it was, it was uh, very endearing to me. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember, you know, when we were playing basketball, you know, no blood, no foul, but in this case, even that's in blood, there's no foul, but anyway, uh, Hey, thank, thank you so much. Hey, Hey Paul, I want to ask you if you wouldn't mind, Hey, what is the best thing to you about being a dad? 
Um, it was just recently we were sitting as a family and we were looking through um, some of our pictures and we went back to when my daughter was born, when my son was born. And one thing that we got to appreciate is uh, just seeing their growth and their development. Uh, when you have an infant to the point whereby now you have a child who you could uh, reason and uh, have a conversation with and wrestle with, um, those are moments that uh, are dear to us. But most of all, the best thing I could say as a dad is seeing their growth in Christ and seeing them model Christ in their interactions with their friends. Uh, that ends up being something that uh, is a blessing to us when they're faced with a situation and you see them pick the right choice uh, without us hammering and saying, hey, you're a Christian, you need to do this. That's something that lights up us and lights me up as a dad. And I say, man, that's uh, something great about being a dad. So it becomes an honor and at the same time a great privilege uh, that is very humbling to us where you are a partner in mentoring and bringing them up uh, in the walk uh, of faith. And the greatest joy, I think, for me was being able to sit with them and lead them to Christ. So that's wow. like a moment that is. Uh, really dear to us as a uh, to me as a as a parent and also as a dad yeah. and you know when uh it's so great when your kids really start recognizing your voice but like I, when you're talking thinking about the apostle john he said i have no greater joy than to see my children prosper but boy there is yeah. something that's just magical in one sense when they recognize your voice but then when they recognize the voice of the father yes wow it's like oh, it's all been worth it. And so uh, yep. thank you. That's, that's great. Um, hey, Gene, how you doing? Good, doing fine. How are you? Hey, um, because of all the wisdom that rests upon you, what <laughs> advice would you give to a young dad? Well, to young dads, um, if you look up scripture, Psalm 127, verses 3, 4, and 5, it mentions how children are a blessing and a man who has children is a blessed man. Um, that being said, when God gives you a blessing, take care of it. Do not go along with the idea um, when your child is born, or you can even go back to where you and your, your wife are expecting. Um, there are, or at least from my experience, there are still a lot of cases to where we always assume that the woman is supposed to be the only one that, that we're thinking about, which is obviously very important. But dad needs to be there to help mom every step of the way from the beginning. Um, yeah. And that, that's the, the whole nine months before that child gets here. Um, when you, you need to be, be active in you know, setting up the baby's room and all of that. When the baby's here, you may not know everything. You may not be as good as mom is at it, but take up the slack where she can't do everything by herself and make sure that child knows who you are. Um, as the, your child's growing up, uh, I work in a public school system and, and I'm telling you, we need as many fathers involved with the children's lives as possible. So as that child grows and develops, spend time with them. Um, different games. Uh, you know, sometimes people want to set up quality time, sometimes just plain time at all. If you have to run an errand, 
um, ask your son or daughter, hey, get your clothes on, jump in the car. Or we gonna, you know, I've got to run some errands. You're going to ride with me today. Uh, they will appreciate that as time goes on because like anything else in life, you want to form a positive relationship with your child and they're going to learn so much for that. Um, make sure you pay attention to their interests. They're half of you and they're half of your wife. And, you know, then there's other factors involved where you could have um, other family members they take on traits. So when you get into sports and music and other things, there's bound to be things that you and your child have in common. And there's going to be some things that your child likes that you're not necessarily that interested in. But the last thing that you want to do is put up a barrier and um, your child prefers a certain thing. If this, as long as it's positive and, and Christian-like and legal, support them in that. They'll appreciate it in the long run. Um, because later on down the road, um, they will never forget that bond that you have formed with them. It's going to be really important in their lives. Well, that's really good. I, I remember uh, when I first became a, a new parent, they used to say, if you can't spend a lot of time, spend quality time. And then a few years in, it shifted and said, actually, kids just need lots of time. And um, because lots of time, all time with them, actually to them is quality time. And so, yeah, just being involved. That's thank you. That's great. Um, Clark. Hey, uh, we'll finish up with you. How, how do you, this is, this is a, this is going to be great. How do you model your relationship with your wife to your children as a dad? First thing is, is put God first. Mm. Um, the word says, husband loves your, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And you've got to put her above everything else. And you got, you got to allow your kids to see that because if they don't see you being real and putting, showing honor where honor is due, then they're going to, they're going to treat their mother the same way. And um, I feel like as, as a dad, I've got to model that so they can see this is how I should honor her and love her. Because if I love her, then they're going to see that. And they're going to say, well, he loves me just like he does mama. Just like he does. I mean, he, he, he honors her, so he's going to honor me. And it just follows right down. Just as Christ did for us. He gave himself for her so she could be redeemed. So that's, that's the way I feel like that, that as a dad, it just, it just flows right back down to them. And they see, hey, he does love me. He does care about me because he cares about my mom the same way. I do remember, boy, that's so good. I remember being told that if you want uh, your children to really, if you want to be a great parent, first have a great marriage. That's the mm -hmm. first thing. That's the best thing you can do for your kids is to have a great marriage. And so anyway, I really appreciate that. I, I can't remember. I'm, I'm sorry. I, what the, uh, what the proverb is, uh, what number it is, but it says the glory of children are their fathers. And, um, we just want to say, I think these are, I know all these men and they are great dads, but I think we, we can say, to all of our kids, thank you for letting us be your dad. Amen. And it's been the greatest honor and privilege and to be a reflection, hopefully, of the Father. And so 
anyway, thank you, Paul. Thank you, Gene, Clark, and John. Thank you for doing this with us today. And all you dads out there, we love you so much. Be encouraged. You're doing a great job. Keep fighting the good fight. And so, um, hey, love you. God bless. Wave, everybody. <laughs> all right. Wave.
Hey, good morning, everyone. My name is Jeff Bullock. I'm the pastor here at Mana Church High Point. So good to see you. First and foremost, let me just say happy Father's Day to you, all you dads, all you granddads. So thankful for you. You are needed. You are appreciated. And thank you for being in our lives. Well, welcome to our 9.15 a.m. online service. We also have an, an 11 a.m. in-person service, but I want you to know if you're watching online, you are part of who we are. We are one church. We are still doing what we've always done. We love God. We love each other and we love the world. And so we just want to welcome you, uh, all you, all the High Point peeps, Man of Church High Point peeps. Good to see you. And if you join us for the first time, welcome. We do want to hear from you in the message uh, part here online. Just let us know. Let us know that you're online. If you've been joining us for a few weeks now, uh, whether it's your first time or you've been with us for several weeks, would you just let us know uh, that you're with us and text to 94090-MCHP-CONNECT. So without further ado, look, we want to jump into the Word. We're in our series called the Purple Book Series. And it's a tool to help equip us to be more effective in making disciples. And we are in week four. It's actually a book we're going through as a church. Uh, we're in chapter four, week four, and we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and his gifts. Traditionally, uh, maybe not theologically, it's been kind of called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I want to read out of Acts chapter two. This is uh, one of the theme scriptures that we've been using as we go along. But it says this. Peter is actually preaching. It's the day of Pentecost and he's preaching to just literally thousands of people. And after he shares the gospel with them, it says that they were convicted. They were pierced to the heart and they say, hey, what should we do then? What are our next steps after hearing the gospel? And Peter says this in Acts 2 verse 38. If you've got a Bible or a Bible app, please follow along with us. Engage with God's word. Acts 2 38. Peter said to them, this is what you need to do. Repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. I love that. And then he said, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about repentance. We've talked about baptism in water. And now we're talking about this gift. He said, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Interestingly enough, the observation is if you read through the book of Acts, there are several different places in that book where the gospel is being shared. And every time the gospel is being shared, they talk about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so what we find in the first century church is that the infilling of the Holy Spirit was an essential part of the gospel. But what we find in the 20th century is the church has made it optional. When I was, uh, when I was 18 years old, 1983, a guy named Rice Brooks, we hosted him and interviewed him. He's the author of this 
He's the co-author of this purple book. He had come to NC State and he was open air preaching out on the brickyard. And I listened to some meetings and I, uh, I listened to him preach rather. And I went to some meetings and I got saved. And I wanted to delay in getting baptized because they told me about uh, getting baptized in water getting filled with the Holy Spirit, but I wanted to wait because I wanted my parents to be able to come, but it just didn't really work out that way. And so I ended up getting baptized. But before, before I got baptized, I went back to my friends and I began to share the gospel with them. And most of them kind of turned me down. But one of them, my friend Lynn, he, he said yes. And so I grabbed him by the arm and I drug him up to Raleigh and we went into these meetings and he got saved. And that night, immediately we were going to go and get baptized. So we went to this church and anyway, they told me as I was going down into the water, they said, hey, when you come up, we're going to pray for you. We're actually going to lay our hands on you and we're going to ask God to fill you with this Holy Spirit. And they really didn't give me anything more than that. So when I came out of the water, I was baptized. They lay their hands on me and, you know, I nothing really happened in that moment. I mean, I didn't, there was no tingling feeling. There was no emotional experience. I just came out of the water and it was like, great. And so I got out and dried off and Lynn got in the water and Lynn was going to get baptized. And as he came out of the water, they said, hey, Jeff, you lay your hands on Lynn and pray for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as I reached out my hand and put it on him, I began to speak in tongues. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Lynn started speaking in tongues. And so that was a really odd experience, but, but it was very cool. And so anyway, I began to say, you know, is this real? And immediately they said, listen, you need to just keep speaking in, in that language that God has given you. Because on your way home, you're going to hear this voice in your head that just says, it's just a bunch of gibberish. It doesn't mean anything and you need to stop. And it was really interesting on my way home. And as I was driving, I began to speak in tongues. And immediately the thought came and said, you're not doing anything. Those people are crazy. Don't do it. But I fought through it and I just began to speak in tongues anyway. You know, um, interestingly enough, when we, we moved to Poland, for many of you, you may not know, my wife and I did church planting in, in Europe for a 15-year period. And there was a seven-year period within that 15-year, we were in uh, Krakow, Poland. And as we were starting the church there, we had a bunch of students that were coming. When I say a bunch, there were probably like six or seven. So it was real small, and we were getting to know them. We were doing Bible studies with them, and I actually felt like I was not doing a very good job at sharing the gospel. But one Sunday morning... While we were worshiping, all six of us I had my hands raised and a, a young lady by the name of Dominica, who actually became one of our best friends and still is to this day, was standing beside me and she had her hands raised and she was speaking in tongues. And I kind of looked over at her and went, well, I guess you got saved. And so she told us later, she said, I just did what you told us to do. I went home and I got in my room and I asked Jesus Christ, listen, we hadn't talked about any of this. I mean, other than just getting saved, she said, I asked Jesus Christ to come to my life. And all of a sudden, like a, a bubbling brook on the inside of me, I began to speak in tongues. We had never given any, any instruction to her about the infilling of the Holy Spirit or taught about any of that. God just baptized her in the Holy Spirit. And this was something that actually continued to happen throughout almost all the years while we were doing church planting in Europe. And so I'm talking about the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit and, and how He empowers us. And I wanna talk about that and His gifts 
uh, and some of the experiences that we've had. But let me kind of go back in history a little bit and just tell you how the church has historically responded to that. Generally, since the 1900s until today, uh, many church leaders say that there have been kind of three moves of the Holy Spirit. In the 19, early 1900s, it was the Pentecostal movement. Somewhere around the 1980s was the charismatic renewal. I mean, the 1950s was the charismatic renewal. And then in the 80s was what was called the third wave. And, and their churches responded to this particular ministry of the Holy Spirit, the infilling and baptism of the Holy Spirit in different ways. In the early 1900s, uh, actually an African-American man uh, by the name of William, William Seymour started a prayer meeting and people started getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And they kind of believed that you get saved and there was a subsequent infilling of the Holy Spirit and that speaking in tongues was a sign that you were filled with the Holy Spirit. Come somewhere around 1959, this charismatic renewal kind of happened and lots of kids, especially lots of teenagers were getting saved and getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And they kind of approach this thing that, well, sometimes uh, the infilling of the Holy Spirit happens at the exact same moment of salvation. And that speaking in tongues also, but it can also be a subsequent experience after salvation. And that speaking in tongues also is a sign, but all the gifts could be a sign. And then as we get into the third wave, which really uh, predominantly affected the evangelical community, um, is they believed that... Uh, getting filled with the Holy when you got saved, you were filled with the Holy Spirit and there was no subsequent infilling. You had all the Holy Spirit that you were going to have and you just simply had to tap into it and stir it up and experience it. And so these events don't really tell us exactly everything, but they give us it, it, it does tell us that how how the church and how many people have had their theology shaped about this experience with the Holy Spirit. And, and those aren't the only approaches to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the only theological beliefs about those things. But it does give us some context of where people are on this subject. So let me just jump into this and, and try not to keep you too long, but let me just share a few things about the Holy Spirit and some of my experiences. First, let's just, just let's look at His name. He is a spirit and He is holy. Spirit of God is immaterial and his name suggests that he is holy. He is holy when it says he's holy, basically it just means he is God. Just as the Father is God and the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God in essence and in nature and in every way. Just as they are God, he is God. But unlike Jesus, who is, was flesh and blood, the man Christ Jesus, unlike him who is flesh and blood, the Spirit is immaterial. John 3, 8 says this, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You can see Him, and you can see the effects of Him. It says He's like the wind. He comes and goes and you know, know which direction, but you, you don't know which direction. But you see the effects of his movement, just like you see the effects of the wind blowing through the trees. I remember um, years ago, I mean, it's happened many times, but especially during this one time I was at a conference and there were probably, I mean, there were a couple of 3,000 people there and we were in a time of worship. And, 
And man, the presence of God had just really swept in. I mean, it was, you couldn't see it, you couldn't see him, but you could really sense that God was there. And as that presence continued to get heavy, in fact, the Bible says the, the glory of God just means the weight, the weight of God. And you could kind of feel it in the room. Anyway, as we were worshiping 3,000 people, I just got on my knees and, and I closed my eyes and actually leaned down on all fours. And I just began to worship God and humble myself physically before Him. And I was like that with my eyes closed for five, maybe ten minutes. And when I opened it up, the entire conference was on its knees worshiping. It wasn't just something that I was experiencing. Everyone experienced that. And, and I don't know about you, and I hope you have, but this is how the Holy Spirit he can come in. I mean, I have had that kind of weight in what we typically might call our prayer closet, but in my bedroom and in my office where I start praying and it just seems like the weight of God, the Spirit of God, didn't know where it came from, didn't know, and then it would, it would leave. And I know God is always with me and He is always in me, but there's something that God called this experience, the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing in. And I want to encourage you, like the wind, we may not know which way he's going and coming, but he will, we can experience in him. And, and that's like what, what Jesus said in John 16, 7. He said, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. This is, I mean, this is what we have as believers, as God's church. We have an advantage over everyone else in the world. Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go away. Why? Because he's physically and he could only be in one location at a time as the man Christ Jesus. He said, but if I go away, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I do go away, I will send him to you. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God gives us to meet with us, to fill us, to empower us. God calls him. He has a nickname. His name is the helper. The Holy Spirit comes to help us and he will greatly help you. Jesus said he is your advantage. And I love that. God gives us. So here's another point. One, he's holy and he's a spirit. Secondly, he gives God gives us his spirit to empower us. We need that. God doesn't just get us saved and leave us alone and say, now go figure it out. No, he gives us he gives us his very nature and his very spirit to instruct us and to guide us. He empowers us first for regeneration, which is a, a theological term that simply means that God comes down in our heart, not our physical heart, but he changes the conditions, the, the, uh, the condition, the very essence of our heart where we wanted to please ourselves. He changes us so that we now want to please him. The Bible calls that regeneration. He first empowers us and cleanses us and changes us, but he also empowers us to be his witness. And I'm going to get to that in one second. Regeneration again is when we're born again and our hearts are changed. Titus 3.5 says this. It says, it says that we are saved by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Now that's power. And I, we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. But I must say, quite possibly, the regeneration that God's able to come in and turn our hearts and change our heart may be the greatest power because no man can imitate that. No man can change a heart. Only God can do that. But secondly, God empowers us 
to be His witnesses. Let me read out of Acts chapter 1, if you wouldn't mind turning there. You should see the Scriptures on the screen. And then, uh, so here Jesus is. He is uh, talking to his, his disciples. He has been raised from the dead. Let me give you a little background. Jesus has been raised from the dead, and he's meeting with his disciples. And it says for 40 days he meets with them. And he's explaining to them the kingdom of God. This is also where Jesus tells them to go and make disciples of all the nations right before he ascends. It's during the same 40 days. In the midst of this 40 days, as, as we get into, I, can't, I think it's Luke 20, Jesus says, it says that he, he breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I believe, personally, I believe this is the moment where they were regenerated. Their hearts were changed because in the very next, a day or two later, or the same day, this is where he says, go and make disciples. But he also tells them, he says, but before you go make disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power on high. And that's what I want to read to you here in Acts 1.4. He breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he tells them to wait until they receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.4, Jesus gathering them together, Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, which the, which the Father said, you heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Skip down to verse 8. It says, but you will receive power. I love that. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. You will receive power to be my witnesses. He says, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. To be God's witnesses. So God empowers us to be His witness. To be God's witness means to live, live His life with His character or the fruit of His Spirit. So God empowers us to actually live the Christian life and to imitate Him in nature and character. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But He also empowers us to boldly testify that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. In other words, tell other people about Jesus by opening our mouth with words. First, let's talk about the power to live. God gives us power to live in this life in victory over sin and demonstrate the very character and nature of God. When we speak of the fruit of something, so we're going to read in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit, about the character. That's, it's referring to the character of God. When we speak about the fruit of something, we're talking about something, what something produces, the results or the characteristics of a thing. In Galatians 5, it tells us exactly what the characteristics of the Holy Spirit are, what, what the fruit of His Spirit is, and it contrasts, it contrasts His fruit, His character, with the fruit of our flesh, our, our flesh that hasn't been redeemed, part of us that wants to do things our own way. Galatians 5, listen to this, it's, it's really very powerful. It says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Starts off telling us what the fruit of our flesh is, the fruit of our own willfulness is apart from God. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality. Let's make no mistake. Immorality means sex before marriage, living with someone before you're married and having sex. It says the, these, are the, these are the fruits of the flesh. Immorality, 
impurity, sensuality. You know what sensuality is? It means being led by your feelings. Only your, feel, your feelings tell you what is true. We always kind of apply that to lust and, and those kinds of things. But sensuality just means being living by your senses as if they were true. That's sensuality. He says, but that's a deed of the flesh. Deeds of the flesh, idolatry, sorcery, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Oh, my goodness. Disputes, dissensions, factions, which that just means being divisive, envying and drunkenness and carousing and, and things like these. There are other things, he says, and other things just like this, of which I forewarned you just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I We'll stop right there. And then he contrasts the fruit of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, listen to this, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness. And here's the biggie, self-control. Hey, in the time of COVID-19, in the time of economic upheaval, in the time of racial tensions that we're experiencing, legitimate tensions, uh, it says that outbursts of anger, these kinds of things are deeds of the flesh. But this is what it says if we're believers. And this is, this is the description, the fruit of God's nature in the believer. We don't expect this from the world. We don't expect it from them. We expect, it, we expect this from within the church. Love and joy and peace. It means if you're a believer in, in this moment, you can have peace and you can respond with kindness and goodness and self-control and faithfulness. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to transform us into his image so that we might become like him, demonstrating his fruit. And that's why we receive the Holy Spirit and we're empowered by it. Notice that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is produced by the Spirit not by the Christian. God's fruit, God's spirit comes and lives in us. And if the spirit of God is in you, if we will allow it, he will produce his own character in us. It's not something we have to do. We have to get, we have to allow him to have that kind of control and to have his way. We must cooperate with him. And again, it comes back to the cross. It says, it says in verse 24, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desire. You see, we have to cooperate with the spirit that the fruit might be manifested. And the way we do that is by crucifying. It always comes back to the cross. It always comes back to, I'm not going to do it my way, but I'm going to do it his way. And it allows God's fruit to come out. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. We need him. Secondly, he empowers us to be his witness, which means to testify boldly that Jesus is both Lord and Christ or the Messiah and we do this by the demonstration of his gifts through our lives, which we're going to talk about here. We are his witnesses and we demonstrate his gifts through our lives. And, and listen, it's for every believer, by opening our mouths and telling others about Jesus Christ. Let me just make a few comments here about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are good things and are to be desired and used with right motives. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 12 lists the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about those in a minute. But 1 Corinthians 14 says this about those gifts. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, and he says, Pursue love, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, Pursue love, which is motive, 
yet desire, desire earnestly, not just desire them, but desire them, desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are a good thing and they're available to all believers. Look at this. We should desire all that the Holy Spirit gives and use those gifts with God's heart to love and to serve others. God doesn't just give us gifts so that we can be talented or feel good about ourselves. He gives us this gift to empower us to demonstrate to be His witnesses. 1 Corinthians 12 lists nine gifts that are specifically identified as gifts given directly by the Holy Spirit to all believers. I believe all nine of these gifts are manifestations or expressions of the Holy Spirit. In fact, all of these are just expressions of how Holy Spirit expresses himself to us and to others through us. Now, there are nine gifts and I'm break them down into these three categories, three in each category. And these are not theological per se, but it just helps us as a package so that we can help remember. There are three more revelational gifts, meaning it's something you didn't have knowledge of, but God puts that knowledge inside of you supernaturally. It's called a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And then there are three more vocal type gifts where you open your mouth and speak. That's prophecy, speaking in tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. And then there are three more like I call them more like power gifts. And those are healings, says the effecting of miracles, and faith. And we're not going to go in and explain each one of them, but I am going to share a few examples. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says this about those gifts. But to each one, meaning, but to each person is given the manifestation or the expression of the Spirit for the common good. So each person has received these gifts, the manifestation or the expression of the Spirit for the common good. The common good meaning for the benefit and interests of all, not just for the individual. The same thing is emphasized in 1 Peter 4, 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Let me just point out two things really quick. First of all, each person has received these gifts, not just one of them, but I believe all of them because all of them come from the Holy Spirit and all of the Holy Spirit lives in us. And he, did, and he, and he distributes these gifts as we have need. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives these gifts, not just for our own encouragement, but to love and to serve others for the common good. Now listen, I know this, talking about the gifts, I know that I am not a prophet but I, I do prophesy and I have prophesied before. I can be prophetic. I don't have a healing gift, but I have prayed for people and they have been miraculously healed. I've shared this before, but maybe you haven't heard online when I was uh, a campus minister in the ministry. I was working at North Carolina State University and I was sitting on the steps of the student union and a girl came by and I distinctly remember the Holy Spirit said, stop her and tell her that I love her. Now, I didn't. At that moment, I was like, I know, there's no way that I'm going to stop a random girl and tell her she's going to think I'm trying to hit on her. Well, I sat there, and then as, the further she got away from me, the more, I, the more guilty I felt because I knew the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Just within a few minutes, she came walking right back down the steps, and I said, excuse me, I'm so sorry. My name is Jeff, and I don't mean to be rude or be weird, but I really, I was sitting here and I felt like the Spirit of God told me 
to tell you something. And she said, okay. And I said, it's just really simple. I believe God wants me to tell you that he deeply loves you. And when I said that, her whole countenance fell and she just, she just began to weep. And of course, I didn't know really what to do, uh, but just to try to comfort her and I pray for her. And she basically said, she says, I thought God had given up on me and left me. This is called a word of knowledge. There was another guy I was pursuing and sharing the gospel with him when I was a campus minister at NC State. And this guy I shared with him several times and he'd see me and I'd see him avoid me. One day I kind of snuck up behind him while he was at the cafeteria and I, I can't remember his name. I'll just call him Joey. And uh, I just tapped on and said, hey, Joey. And he kind of saw me and rolled his eyes, you know, and said, hey, how are you going? How's how things going? We chat a little bit. And he told me he was a really tall guy. He told me, he said, I've got this incredible back pain in my back. And I said, well, can I pray for you? And he said, you mean, he goes, sure. I said, well, here, I'm going to pray for you. And he goes, oh, you mean like right now in front of everybody? And I said, yeah. So I just laid my hands and then I didn't close my eyes. I just said, Lord, I ask you to heal Joey's back in Jesus name. And immediately he straightened up and he grabbed his back. He said, oh my gosh, I just felt all this heat in the middle of my lower back. I said, God just healed you. Now, I don't have a gift of healing, but I pray for people and these and, and that has happened. Um, hey, I want to tell you this is and so that was the gift of healing. But there's also a gift of speaking in tongues. I mean, I pray in tongues uh, and I do it to this very day. Um, but one time I was in a worship service. I was raising my hands and it was a lot of people in there and a lot of people from different nations. And I happened to be standing beside a guy from Africa. He was a student and I had my hands raised and I was worshiping. and I was just started praying and singing in tongues. And after it was all kind of done, he looked over at me and he says, hey, do you know my language? And I said, no. And he says, well, you were speaking my language perfectly and you were saying glory to God giving God glory with the highest praise. You were worshiping God in my language. I had no idea. This is a gift the Holy Spirit gives us. You know what this tells us? It tells us that God is not mute, that the Spirit of God is living and active in our lives, that He speaks to us, that He leads us. I believe all these gifts are available to every believer. If we will just open ourselves up and, and ask God to use us, I believe he really will. And I was so naive when I was young. I just came to him with so much naivety. And when I read the Bible, I just, I just kind of believed. If God said, I gave it to you, I believed it. And I just tried to act and function in it. Not every person I've ever prayed for got healed, but several have, many have. Sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks to me through these gifts, and sometimes he doesn't. But this is what 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, meaning the gifts, distributing to each one just as he wills. These are his gifts he gives to us to demonstrate his power to others. And I think what you find Jesus many times, you see Jesus operated in all these gifts all the time. And if you read the Gospels close enough, you'll see the word of wisdom. You'll see the word of knowledge. You'll see, you'll see the gift of healing. You'll see effecting of miracles. You'll see all these things. You'll see prophecy come out of him. Uh, you'll see him operating in all these kinds of gifts. 
And most of the time when Jesus was using the gifts, it wasn't within the context of the church. It was in the context outside the church. He was always healing people who didn't yet follow him. And I think this is the demonstration of the power. We are now his witness, not only to live the life, but we're demonstrating the power of God that the Holy Spirit loves people, that he loves the lost. We love the world. World changing outreach. We love God. We love each other, but we love the world and God loves the world. and He wants to demonstrate his power to them. But he also, oh, I like this part. He also fills us and empowers us to speak boldly. Listen, listen, if you're listening to this, I mean, I mean I'm going to pray at the end and ask God, but we, we can be bold because the spirit of God is bold. Not obnoxious, but bold. Boldness means to muster up the courage and do and overcome your own fears. It's while you're fearing, you do things anyway and you speak and you you share with people. In Matthew 18, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations or people groups. But in Acts 1, we read that he said, but before you go, wait to be filled with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And in Acts 4.31, it says this, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with all boldness. Man, I just love that. Before... And you may not believe this, but before I became a Christian, I was pretty quiet. I was fairly reserved. I was a chubby boy and uh, even a little shy. And I was often fearful. I, mean, <laughs> I know this doesn't make sense, but I was often fearful just to go into a convenience store and pay for the gas. But after I became a Christian and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, there are times when I know the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and asking me to open my mouth and talk to people about Jesus. This was not my nature, but it was his nature in me. And I knew he wanted me to do this. And I want to be sensitive with this story, especially during our time. But you, when I, I want to give the context. This was in the 90s. And there was a guy and I saw him and I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, go up to him and ask him if you could tell, ask him for his permission, if you could share Jesus with him. And so, I, again, I can't remember his name. I'll call him Roger. So I came up and introduced myself and got his name and asked him if I could share Jesus. And he said, yes. So while I was sharing the gospel with him, while that was happening, the Spirit of God spoke to me that he was struggling with homosexuality. And this was the 90s when, when it was not so popular to come out and, and say it and, and not be emboldened. And he had, and he told me, and so anyway, I really felt like the Holy Spirit. So he, and then I felt like the Holy Spirit said, tell him that. Now, you've got to really know the Holy Spirit speaking to you when, when these are personal and very intimate things, that private things that people are struggling with. And so being as sensitive as I possibly could, I just said, Roger, I I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to tell you something. I, and I had to overcome my fears and be bold and open my mouth. And I said, I just feel like God wants me to share with you that he knows you intimately and, and loves you dearly. But he knows you're struggling with your sexuality and he wants to come to you and, and heal you. And when I said that, he just broke down. He says, I haven't told anyone that. I haven't told my best friend, haven't told my parents. I've told no one. How would you possibly know that? I said, the Spirit of God knows everything about you. We talked some more, grabbed his hand, and I prayed for him and led him to Christ. Sometimes we have to be bold. That's boldness. It wasn't said loudly. It wasn't said, said with 
being obnoxious and it wasn't even it wasn't even said with judgment. God didn't condemn him. He wanted to heal him and save him. And he did. Holy Spirit said, talk to him. There are other times, though, and I've told this story before as well. I was uh, again, I was at North Carolina State University. and I was going home from the day. I was walking out to my car, and as I did, I was going by a bus stop, bus stop with about 30 or 40 people standing out there waiting to get on the bus to go home. It's probably about 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, stop and preach, op- open your mouth and preach to all 40 people and proclaim the gospel to them. And you cannot believe I started sweating. I, I immediately, I just said, I bind you, devil. And I just started, wa- I just started walking across the street away from them. I got on the other side and I just felt so guilty that I was resisting what the Holy Spirit was asking me to do. So I turned around, came back, mustered my courage, put my hand up in the air like this. I just said, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. And as soon as I did this, I'm not kidding, this late 20-something, didn't even look like a student, this woman kind of raised up in the crowd and just started screaming at the top of her lungs going, ah! she goes, I don't want to hear. She started screaming at me and she started yelling. She put her hands in the air and she ran away from everyone. And you know, it was kind of like I said, Jesus Christ. And she did this and their attention went from me to her and we all watched her run across the street. And then once she was kind of gone, everyone turned back and looked at me. I had their attention. And in three minutes, I shared the gospel because then the bus came and they all got on the bus. But there are times when we just have to be bold when God wants us to speak to people. You never know where people are. You cannot judge them by the way they look, what they're doing. But if we are kind and we hear the Spirit of God and He says, go over there and introduce yourself. We must do these kinds of things. There are other times when you're with your family, when you're with your friends, and they may be saying things that we have to speak up for righteousness and we have to share lovingly the gospel. The Spirit of God makes us bold to stand for righteousness, especially in a time of racism, but He also gives us the Spirit of God, empowers us to speak boldly in His name. John 16, 7, I'll close with this, says, Jesus said, but I tell you the truth. Again, it is to your advantage that I go away because I will send the helper to you. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to help us, to empower us, because no one can live the Christian life in the natural. We need the supernatural power of God to live with Him and for Him. I haven't been able to be exhaustive on this subject, but I want to pray for you who are listening right now. Maybe in your heart, you're like, you know what, I, I want, I need that power to live in victory over sin and to demonstrate the, the power of God. And I want to be bold and I want to tell my friends and family and I want to, I want to do these things. I'm going to pray for you right now. All you have to do, if you're open, Paul asked these guys, he said, have you, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. He said, lift your hands. And he laid his hands on them and, he, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. So let me just pray. Father, in Jesus' name, for everyone who is asking this, listening to this, whether whenever, they're, if they're praying right now or other, if they're watching this at another time, whenever, wherever they are, Lord, as their hearts are open and they're asking, you said, ask, seek, and knock. And that, that, whole, that whole thing, Father, 
we read is in the context of you giving the Holy Spirit. As they ask, Lord, I ask you to fill them and baptize them in the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, hey, I love you so much, and we do want to hear from you, and we want to connect with you. I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life. Just pray this prayer with me. You're saying, hey, I want this. Would you just pray this prayer? Maybe you've never asked Jesus to come be the Lord and your Savior. Savior means He saves us from our sins. Lord means He now becomes the one who speaks to us and leads us. He basically becomes our boss. Just pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you loved me and died for me, and you were raised from the dead that I might live in health and healing. Come into my life. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me tell you, it's a simple prayer, but if you prayed it from your heart, your life just changed, and it really is the greatest thing that you'll ever do in your life. If you prayed that prayer, would you please text us to 94090. Text this phrase, Jesus. Follow the prompts. We would love to connect with you and pray with you. Listen, everyone, just love you so much. Thank you for your time again. Happy Father's Day to all the dads and granddads and future dads that are going to be out there. We'll be right back here for our online worship experience again at 9.15. And if you have time and would like to come out, we'll also have our in-person service at 11 a.m. this morning every Sunday. God bless you. Love you. great morning we have had. We're so happy and so thrilled that you have joined us this morning as we've worshiped together and we've heard from some fathers and we've heard a powerful message about the Holy Spirit and how he not just energizes our life, but he transforms our life. So thankful for the Holy Spirit's work in my life and in your life. I want to let you know about something that we talk about every week because it is so, so important to who we are. It's called the growth track. So if you've been with us, maybe this is your first time, or maybe you've been with us for a year, the growth track is for you. The growth track not only helps you get connected in relationships, gets you connected to our church, helps you figure out who we are, why we are, where we're going, your part, but it also helps you discover your gifts and your callings. So if you text MCHP growth track, 
to the same number, 94090, you can get involved with the Growth Track today. We actually had a family that went through the growth track all online and our first week meeting in person, which was last week, they were already serving, they're already connected in small groups, already connected to this, what we call a family. So we think the growth track is perfect for you, whether you've been here for two weeks or you've been here for two years, growth track, growth track, growth track. Secondly, I want to thank you and remind you that you continue to give online. But really, thank you for your generosity. It's because of you that we're able to serve and love on our city in so many practical ways. We also want to thank those who have given of their time. Thank you for your generosity in serving. There's been so many people that have made it possible that we're able to have church online. Big thank you to our worship team, who makes it possible for able to worship together. Thank you for those who are editing, specifically Charlotte, my little sister, editing these videos so we can have church. Thank you to all our small group leaders that allow for connection. And thank you to our Mana Kids who are loving and leading our Mana Kids and making it possible that they have relationships and connection. So many people that have made it possible for us to remain connected online and continual for us to be able to do so. But we're also excited that we're able to meet in person at our 11 o'clock service. So if you feel comfortable and you're ready, all our serve team members are wearing masks, we're sanitizing, we're socially distancing. So we invite you to join us at 11 o'clock service. But if you still don't feel quite comfortable yet, that is a-okay. We love you all the same, and we'll see you online next week. Man of Church, love you, and see you soon.